Welcome to the Like a Dance Boss podcast. My name's Jess, and each episode I'll be interviewing a dance studio owner from around Australia. Tune in to find out their tips and tricks, the secrets to their success, and how they cope with the daily stresses of running a dance studio. Please also check out my website, likeadanceboss.com.au, for everything that you need to run a dance studio. Here you can find checklists, templates, articles, and lots of things to make your life easier when running a dance studio day to day. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for having a chat today. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this um, podcast recording all week. I think that you've created such a name for yourself in the dance industry. I think so many people are really fascinated by all of the things that you do, all the hats you wear. Um, And sadly, you are closing your studio, which is um, also something I want to talk about. But welcome, if you would love to introduce yourself and the name of your studio. Hello, my love. My name is Tanya Robbins and my studio's name can be an acronym known as TRAD or Tanya Robbins Academy of Dance and Drama. Yes, and the and drama part, I was really curious to hear more about. Like, was dance and drama an equal passion opening your school? Like, how did that name come about? Yeah, I think because I'm a P to 12 performing arts school teacher. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't want to say drama follows me around, but... (laughs) (laughs) A dance teacher, it does. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, But more that um, they go hand in hand. Um, They're both expressive art forms and I don't think you can really present one without the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you find that students enrolled as dancers but then picked up drama as well or vice versa? Or This particular school, TRAD, uh, stemmed from a contract that I finished as a performing arts teacher at Mentone Park Primary School. So they were learning drama and dance and voice. Mm-hmm. So I just couldn't fit in a nice snazzy way the word voice yeah. in what I decided the studio name would be. Um, so they were doing all three, the original, I think there's about 35 students or something like that. Um, and they pretty much came from Men's Home Park with um, a couple of, obviously I had my own children, so was it two or three kids? I think it was, I can't remember how old my kids Once are. Once you have two, more than two, you wouldn't really. I know, I have four kids. That's how it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, two, because I hadn't given birth to my fourth then, Two of the girls then probably brought some of their friends along with them as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And when and why did you open the studio? Was it because you finished that contract and you loved teaching those kids and wanted to keep going with that? There was a void and I did um, have a fantastic partnership with a previous um, studio and, um, you know, for better reasons, I don't really need to explain but the the partnership had finished there and my vice principal who was a massive supporter of my teaching practice um hated the fact that my contract had finished and he said well why don't you start here in the school hall and we'll develop an after school program so that's pretty much the origins um based on perry kick who was the um, assistant principal at the time 
Um, I had a massive support from Louise Downey, who was the principal there as well. So it was really supported. The parents felt like, oh, my God, it's end of September. Don't just stop. Yeah. So Perry and I were um, pretty much washing and cleaning up, you know, props, costumes, as everyone does in the school holidays. And um, it, was, it was a conversation. I didn't want to finish when I finished my previous um, uh, partnership at another studio. I didn't want to finish. It, it's, it's, well, you know this, you know, it's ingrained with you just because a location might cease doesn't mean that you cease. So, um, and that might be interesting with, you know, future pathways. I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting way to start up because I feel like the opportunity kind of presented itself for you. Like the hard part of starting a school often is where is it going to be? What hall am I going to use? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool that it kind of just presented itself. And then, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go it was a it. really organic way of doing it. And I think that's a Tanya thing anyway, you know. Um, if everyone can um, understand, you know, use your peripherals because quite often the signals are really strong out there, but we're so tunnel vision on, but I want this, I want to yeah. do this. So, um, you know, I was quite in tune to that. Sorry if anyone can hear my budgie. It's a thing. <laughs> budgie knows that we're talking, so budgie starts in. Um, what year was that? Was that 2006? 2010. Oh, I thought maybe it was... No, it's the 10th, it's the 10th year. Oh, that's but right. to that, I was at another studio. Um, I had three, I really think back, over the last, you know, 30 years of... 30 years, I think it is. So 51. Yeah, that's about right. So about the last 31 years, I've had three opportunities with people who have said, please please take over my studio or please become a partner. Mm. I, I just think um, having a brood of children like I did, it wasn't the right time. Um, what was another thing? Uh, I think I was too ingrained in sort of being a, an educational teacher as well or an adjudicator. So there was things that stopped me. But when you start to hear it so often, you think maybe I should pay attention. So. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get from that um, stage of the school to being in the factory where you are now or where you've just finished up? Great story. <laughs> so we had a scout hall in Parkdale. Mm -hmm. So we went very quickly from Mento Park to a scout hall, which no longer exists. It's the um, Parkdale Vultures football ground, if anyone knows, yeah. the PN Highway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was there and then in Evan Street in Parkdale was a disused church hall that was going to be knocked down. I just found the person's phone number at the real estate and rang him and said, hey, whilst you're not knocking it down, because I know it's going to take about, you know, 20 to 30 months until you get your right permits, can I be using this place? Yeah. I'll be looking after it. So we sort of, you know, gutted it and, and recreated that space. Now, okay. It, it was never going to have longevity in the Evan Street Hall. And the same with um, the Parkdale Scout Hall. A painter was painting the football ground and actually said to me, oh, no, council's knocking it down. They didn't bother to tell me. Yeah. But they were going to knock that down as well. So there was an urgency then and yeah. it was closer to Christmas. So it must have been about three years in. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I was seven years at the factory. Um, yeah, it was closer to Christmas and I just started to look around and said, yikes, there's... 
one factory in Parkdale, which is on that corner of Iron Street. There's pretty much no other factories that were yeah. um, allowed to be used for the purposes of a dance school. Yeah. So um, I went to the very end of Parkdale, not even knowing this part of Mordialic, which is Lower Dandenong Road, right under the plane flight path. Yeah. And um, there was a two-let sign. Uh-huh. I just walked in and it was pretty much, no, shake my hand now. But that's, that's a Chan thing. Tanya just uh, has the front of Myers. Tanya does it with a smile and uh, has enough assertiveness to say, I'm going to have this and this will happen. Yeah. And how and was the process getting your permit? Because that can be the nightmare. Uh, it was backwards and forwards and it was due to um, not having enough business sense and business savviness and a landlord that had absolutely no idea because he'd never had that kind of business there before. Yeah. So we, we were like, um, oh, think like it. Sorry, there goes a dog now. We were like, I oh, know it's a menagerie here. There's chickens say that. <laughs> Anyone want to hear the chickens while you're here? I've got lots of chickens. Um it's uh, like a boutique sort of factory um, complex and, no, they'd never had a dance school before. So we got our permit in retrospective. It was afterwards. It was uh, Kingston Council had come around because they caught wind that uh, certain people... Oh, did so you didn't have... even organise your permit before opening? Totally lack of education. <laughs> I really didn't 10 years ago have... Um, the brains and the experience to know the exact tick list of what you needed. And, um, you know, heads up to anyone else, a landlord just wants you in there. Yeah. So then they're not actually going to tell you, oh, by the way, you need this, this, this and this. They just go, oh, we'd love you. Give us your money. Yeah. Come in. We'll even hold a hammer. We'll bang that nail in for you. So um, I got caught up. I, I call... Um, I, I used to call Trad Earth um, and I called my brother, you know, God, basically, because he built it in six and a half days. Oh. So, yeah. So yeah. Well, did you open and then did you have to suspend trading while your permit was being approved? Or No, as long as it was a proviso that we had a signed declaration that we would do this, 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 which cost about mm, 8000 maybe eight to 10,000 altogether in retrospective of what they wanted. Um, apparently we got the toughest building inspector, the toughest one. <laughs> and it was a bit inconsistent with what he wanted done, but you know, this is what you do. You get it done. Yeah. You get it done. Um, uh, any advice to anyone is go to the council. Don't be a typewriter warrior and deal with it. And just on the phone and be a moper, go there Meet at the front desk. You can't shake hands anymore, but, you know, seven years ago you could. You can shake elbow hands. Yeah, elbow. Okay. So, um, you know, meet and greet the right people and um, just nod. Be respectful. Nod and say, okay, you don't need to finish the sentence. What do I need to do? And get it done. Get it done. Because it, is, it's, it was inexperience. And then finding out there was about five others that had to do the same thing. I don't know their course, their journey of what they needed to do, but mine was, um, I think it nearly sent the landlord to uh, the hospital, <laughs> but <laughs> through shock. But, um, yeah, get things done, people. Just if, if it has to be done, get it done. Find a way, get it done.
I feel the same. Like the first time I got a permit for my first factory, I was, you know, doing the bare minimum. It'll happen really quick. Don't worry, Jess, it's not a big deal. And it took forever, like six months of back and forth because the council would come back and say, well, now we need this from you. And now we need this from you. And the second time around, I just went, you know what? I'm giving them everything I paid for, like the traffic engineering report and everything that I could possibly need to support my permit application. And it was so much easier and so much quicker. And I acknowledged that they needed those things. So the first time I was like, surely they don't need this. Surely they don't need that. Ah, see, I had one of the dance parents was a town planner. Oh, that's handy. <laughs> yeah. So this why the this is why the process took up to three weeks. We were actually done three in one weeks. week. Took me yep. six months. Because you've got to talk the talk. So you have if you have the right education person behind you, they they fill the form out and then they ask you how do I tweak it to make it sound dance. Mm. But if you try and fully make it all about dance. It's going to get rejected through council. Yeah. It's, it's, you've got to go the opposite way in and just infiltrate bits of dance in it. Because yeah. they don't know our world. Apparently we're ethereal fairies and we fly around. <laughs> I think oh. so. <laughs> and what was your original um, plan and goal for the studio? Like obviously you wanted to pursue all performing arts, dance, singing, yeah. acting. Did you see yourself entering competitions? Did you see yourself doing Shaketi Ballet? Did you, what did you see for the school when you... Oh, yeah. Shaketi was um, a necessity. A, I grew up, I grew up with Shaketi, T-A-A-D, back into Shaketi again. And um, it, to me, it's the most, for me, it was the most romantic, empowering form of dance syllabus to learn. So it, it was a no-brainer. My daughters were already doing Shaketi, so it made a lot of sense yeah. um, to continue. Uh, what was the other part of the sentence? Sorry. I was just wondering what you initially saw for the studio. Like, oh, yeah. you thought, yeah, you'd be a comp yeah. school or an exam school or a recreational school. Or... More than what the choice was, I knew where in the pyramid I was going to be of the dance industry. Yep. I knew what type of client to attract. So it wasn't... I do go about things slightly different to other people. And then I sort of come back into it. So what I saw was that we were a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So we were always, we were not going to transport people into a career, but we were definitely going to give them a base. They were going to get a small amount of industry contact. But I'm a connector, so I know a lot of people and I know where to send them or to encourage them or to foster whatever skill they need to get to the next step. So I think as a business owner, so that you don't get hurt by students leaving, Mm know where you sit in the pyramid yeah because you can't you can't get upset if you're yeah if you're a bottom feeder you can't get upset then if they leave because you know that you were there for the foundation years that's what you're meant to do so um yeah i come i just come from it in a more holistic way Mm -hmm. now if i had an incredible person i'm going to get some incredible staff to be working with you know those people i am going to give them opportunities um you know, quite a few of my people were able to not just dance with me, but then they might have, whether it was tertiary or secondary, they were doing other things. So it might be professional work, but I certainly wasn't giving them that opportunity. I didn't take them to the audition. So was it a comp thing? Um, 
I was always wary of it becoming a big comp school because my passion is to adjudicate. Mm. And I think that it crosses the lines then if you become a big comp school and do that job at the same time. Not to say that you can't. Some people are really good at it, Jess Solomon. But, <laughs> but what I mean is um, as a, if you're going to be a comp school, you've got to be there for your kids. Yeah. That was a little selfish. I didn't feel like I wanted to be there for those kids when I had my own brood. I just wanted to define when we do it. So it was always a team effort. So um, when we started doing comps and troops, it was a whole membership of people that were deciding what we do. Yeah. So they, they chose certain things like every second year we go regional because I just think dancing in regional Victoria is an outstanding experience yeah. and everyone needs to go regional and I've got a lot of regional friends out there that I fully support and um, we can't stay Melbourne in our insular yeah. you know, little talent pool we've got to get out there so yeah we did every alternate year that we'd go regional plus yeah, a metropolitan yeah. one yeah it it was fantastic because then it gave our families enough time to not fundraise but to have enough funds yeah. to then stay for 10 days in Bendigo or Ballarat or Warrnambool or, or wherever it was, or Latrobe Valley. Yeah. And, um, you know, then you'd all hire out the same type of places, whether it was caravan parks, car cabin parks, etc., hotels. And it was a really nice feel. But my parents had said, oh, not all the time. Yeah. But some schools it works. That was very interesting. I think it's a really interesting but realistic and responsible point of view to run a studio and really know where you fit um as you said in the whole scheme of dance school and dance training that's out there um something that i've noticed is that you're really passionate about training teachers and giving young dancers an opportunity to really learn the ropes um in a practical way other than you know wishing them all the best and sending them on their way or just hiring them and not supervising i guess like how did how did that come about is that just something in recent years that you've started doing or was that from the start that you were encouraging you know young teachers to teach at your school but you were always there to support them and guide them and um, i think it was innate in me from very young i was um i was given a lot of opportunities in primary school to foster skills through the kids so uh, if anyone wants to know i'm 51 so i'm on a 70s primary school kid it's a long time ago but um i wasn't i didn't exist then no you weren't <laughs> even a, a waft in the air then um but for me i was given opportunities to direct and choreograph from grade four grade five and grade six so i found the need and i i often say this to people and it might sound like you know it's it's a, a fake way to boost someone's confidence but i i truly live by this mantra that find greatness in everyone because there is there is greatness in everyone but you've got to work out what it is so for instance if it's um connecting well with children i really want to foster that so if i see say an 11 year old that i can um yeah see the potential i'm going to work with them in that capacity if it's um you know someone that's an excellent choreographer i want to be able to foster that skill as well as far as teachers go it stemmed from primary school where if I found there was an inequality in the delivery that they were giving, I would stand up. Yeah. I was, I was um, quite well loved as a student by the teachers, but 
boy, did I have a platform that I would stand on and say, I'm sorry, I don't think you should speak to people like that. And I, I had no problem in just probably had no filter. Mm-hmm. But I don't I, think you I, have a filter now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you ever had one. <laughs> no, I don't have a filter, but I think there's kindness in, in, well, I try to give kindness in what I'm saying, but I believe that everyone should be um, understanding vulnerability and transparency and all that. But um, teachers, man, I can tell you now there's... I can't change the world. I totally understand that. But our youth and our children deserve a better quality of learning. I don't care if it's educational, private, dance studio, um, you know, yoga training, anything. I just believe if you do not have that fire in your belly and a passion, I don't know why you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love training people and finding that moment in them and and um at the moment i'm dealing with uh deakin university so there's um uh, students doing their master in like applied learning and uh so they interview me a lot because i'm very 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 passionate about delivering the most engaging class that you can have Mm -hmm. why not it's 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 not our class it's their class yeah yeah (laughs) generally I guess more in recent years, um, like, you know, maybe after you've had the school for say those initial five years where you're probably working so hard in the business just to do everything and anything, where did you find yourself ending up as far as what jobs did you focus on? What tasks did you delegate? What type of tasks did you outsource? Mm. Okay. So if I've had the school, yeah, it was probably about five years ago. I noticed that there was um, an inequality and what was really missing was the role of reception and in what part of the bus or a car does the receptionist actually play? And the receptionist is actually the driver. And for me, you know, that took, I thought I was in control, mm-hmm. but I actually realized that um, if they need their wings to grow and spread and to be allowed to manage and operate as they do, they need to sit in that seat. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really, really fortunate to have three absolutely amazing, amazing receptionists. And the first two only left because of location. Mm -hmm. They literally, one went country Victoria and one moved back down, you know, Frankston way. Um, And so I have been so fortunate to have uh, three beautiful people that I've loved and trusted. Mm-hmm. But I also do understand that my role is not to love them. I've got to remember that. You know, it's not all lovey-dovey. It is also, it's a business. So um, let let them be um, a contributor. Let them be accountable. But accountability doesn't mean that um, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, let them accept that. So for me, the role was always connector. Yeah. My God, did I love breezing through a room. Um, if anyone... <laughs> of course if you anybody, did. <laughs> if anyone knows the beautiful Tanya Khan, you'll know what we mean when she goes, ta-ta, and comes in. Uh, same thing. I would love it. So if I could hear a voice, you know, in the reception, the receptionist doing their job and they're doing mm-hmm. their business, their role was to get the enrolment done, to do whatever this, and then I flounce in. <laughs> Hi. Now, who do you look at first? I don't look at the parent first. I look down at the child. 
I shouldn't say down, but I look at the child first. I engage the child because it's going to be their experience. And then you look back up. It's a, it's a brilliant way of winning a parent over very quickly. Um, yeah. Well, every, every parent, I've learned that now that I'm a parent, you, you love when people acknowledge your child and ask about them and compliment them. Yeah. And... Exactly. So I was the connector, most important yeah. thing. Um, the foreseer, I did put that hat on. So I would kind of say, well, that's great for doing that now, but where is it going to take us? And, you know, do we have the budget to do that? Yeah, da, da, da. Uh, and then the receptionist was also the analyst. So I, I learned to sort of break some of the roles and give it. And I wasn't good at them. I wasn't, I was, if anyone's driven with me, I'm a great driver. But I may go to a different suburb to what we intended on going. <laughs> you know, do not ask me to be the driver of the business. Yeah. But man, connect me away. I'm just yeah. going to pick up the dogs. So. And that's okay. Like, I think that a lot of studio owners feel like that. They're so passionate about dance, about arts, about different things, and not necessarily the business side of things. And that's all right. Because as long as you know that it's best to employ someone or outsource that um, yeah. or train someone up yeah. to take over that and look after that part of the business, then that's okay. You know? And yeah. it gives you time to focus on the things that you're good at and enjoy. Exactly. I can't, well, I can count, <laughs> but I mean, I don't necessarily want to count. So, you know, I, I had the bookkeeper to do that because I wanted my time back. I wanted to know if I was going to leave at a certain time. I did. I committed to leaving at that time, going home. Um, there was a bit of pressure from um, my ex-partner now, but uh, my ex-partner and children to be around at the dinner table. You know, and I think, you know, Jess, as a new mum, you have to decide, you know, what are the most formative years where you should be there for your kid? Well, it's every single year. Yeah. But that's not always going to happen in our field. So it just means, you know, what do you do? Do you have, you know, the best school holidays with them or do you have, take two nights up a week? Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, do you have sort of a crazy situation so they do get some, you know, mummy or dad time? Because, you know, with male teachers and male studio owners as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was a bit of, bit of negotiations going on there. Well, being a studio owner and a second mum, I guess, to so many at your studio, but then the actual mum of your kids, that's really challenging. That's two very important hats that you wear. Yeah. How... How do you think you went with that? Looking back, would you do things differently? Do you have advice for people like me who are new mums with a studio? Would you say, you know, don't give up those dinner times or don't let the studio get in the way? What would you advise? Um, anxiety plays a lot on it. Now, I've got a 20... God, how old are my kids? 22, <laughs> 21, 16 and nearly 12. Mm -hmm. So I really was two parents, two different eras of, yeah. of parents going on there. Um, with my first two kids, I will never, I never say in life, you know, go back and do it again. Just learn from it. I have, I have no regrets, but obviously, you know, it, it took a toll. It took a toll on not always seeing them. Um, so we would have, sounds weird, but date night. Mm -hmm. Date night with my first two kids. So it was, you know, Mum doesn't make a choice here. What is it? So it could have been, say, Thursday nights. And, uh, you know, when they're young, there's not a lot to do after six o'clock. So it might just be, you know, go to McCafe. Mm -hmm. And literally they can choose whatever they want. Or if it's savings, you know, it was... Um, or play sport, knowing that was a good one. 
Play the sport that your child wants you to play, even if you are the worst at it. I hands down could not apply myself in some sports, but, you know. Or another thing is um, make sure you watch your kids in team sports. Yeah. Now, that might just be that it's every second Saturday or something yeah. like that. Or um, for a while there, I'm trying to think which child it was. Ah, yes. See, I love baseball, the sport baseball. So my second born, um, he played baseball. And I truly loved Friday nights. I made sure there was studio didn't run on a Tuesday night, uh, Friday night. And then even though you're exhausted from six days a week, I was up very early Sunday morning in freezing cold winters, rugging up and sitting outside and clapping my kid, you know, going around third base to home plate in baseball. So... I think if you, if you can have that kind of negotiation with your kids, maybe it's okay that you're doing three or four nights a week. Yeah. Other thing is never, ever let guilt take over. Don't let guilt take over. Yeah. It's okay. Maybe there is a commitment that you need to do at the studio and, you know, but be open and talk with your family and say, you know, mum needs to do this right now. It's not forever. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change how much I love you. We can still do things, but if you wouldn't mind, can we pop it in the you know the diary right now, or let's put it on the calendar? Yeah. Or would you want to use my modern day kids? Use my phone. Use my yeah. phone. Pop it in the phone. Pop, pop it in the phone for me, so that you know I get a little reminder going off. Um, someone and I can't think who it is, but it's a brilliant idea. Before they go to the studio, they put like post-it notes on their kids' doors or somewhere in their lunchbox or something yeah. like that. And it's a really beautiful thing to do because it's like mum loves you when you open it. Yeah, I might be at work on Yeah, and I can't think who for the life of me. Sounds like something I might do when I'm do it. a bit older of a mum. But it's it, not me, so I'm not sure who it is. Yeah, but it's beautiful. It's, you know, like those little affirmation notes. Yeah validating notes i have seen things like that on instagram when you look at those crazy amazing organized cute lunch boxes for kids and the ah. parents you know they make their sandwiches look like caterpillars and random things but they include like little <laughs> messages and little notes and oh my god time oh my god a post -it well, mums easy, don't like... run dance studios you know okay okay yeah yeah well this was five years ago and it was definitely a studio owner and if i think back to five years ago i wonder if mel garb would know you know, we used to have our little social gatherings and things. I totally feel like it was a Victorian mum that said, mum, studio owner, that yeah. said that. Yeah. Because I think physically I'm really good at making myself physically available for Eve and knowing that I'm not going to the studio at certain times. But I think what I'm already struggling with is emotionally it's hard to detach. And, you know, if you know that you get that, one email per year or, or per six months or two years or whatever that really hurts it's hard to switch off from that and I find that brings out the worst in me and I'm like you know Eve can't you watch the wiggles or can't yeah. you just occupy yeah. she's one but I'm like you know can't you do your own thing because mum needs to deal with this and mum's really pissed off that someone's just said these things about her or her studio mm -hmm. or her staff and I feel like that's something that's really hard to snap out of and yeah. not let it affect me being a parent or Eve's enjoyment. I guess when the kids are older, you can go, you know, a grumpy dance mum's really bothered me. Let's go get an ice cream and then I'll be over it. But 
Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, anger is a very normal emotion. Mm. I'm not talking about putting a fist through a wall. Control. It sounds like you just put a fist through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> My wall's right there. <laughs> Sorry, it was the drama teacher in me. No, <laughs> the actor. Um, but your child was never the author of that message that you got delivered. So. I think if we can go, you know, again, really transparent and turn to the, our children and say, someone really pissed me off. But you've already taken it away from them because younger children don't get it. So if they see you losing your pool, because I remember <laughs> there could be children listening to this podcast. Um, normally I just let it fly. Um, yeah, we've got to make sure, you know, do they need to receive that information back? No, but they need to know, um, it, I need to go and process this. These words from someone else have hurt me and um, I will be back, but I just need, I need some time. And I think you can do that from a really young age to, you know, mm -hmm. your, your adult kids um, or just say, yeah, let them, let them tell you, mum, you're being a big you know stop it and you go yeah but I can't shake this off yeah I can't so tell them tell them that just be real with your kids and and so that when they start to get older you say yeah see now you experience that doesn't it give you the you know yeah. the, the heebie-jeebies <laughs> and now I can see you at 16 you're starting to feel that and then yeah, you, that's true yeah Let's get to something more positive. What okay. do you, what did you enjoy with your students during your time being the director of your school? Like what events stand out to you? Were they those regional comps? Were they your favorite or? Uh, to be honest, if it was student led, so that would be the own choreography comps. Okay. And uh, growing up with um, Linda Mathis, it was one of the most special things that she ever gave us an opportunity to do. So from the moment I was allowed to create dance or vocals or, you know, monologues or whatever, um, we loved our choreographic comps. Yeah. And so I'm a, I love if any studio ever invites me to do their own choreography comps. And they go, it's interesting because they go, oh, I'm sorry, it's only small. And I go, what do you mean it's small? Man, man, look at the significance of a student-led event yeah because i'm doing nothing oh i bought trophies i don't even i don't even announce so you'll have um you know oh, what do you call them an mc yeah but there's another word too ambassador oh ambassador that's a very on trend word tanya robbins oh i'm sure i learned it from someone else it wasn't me but um you know, so you let them then lead it. So they've, they've got the items of where it is and you've already trained someone up on the stereo, so you let them do it because they might yeah. be kids that don't want to get up and create work. It's, it's an arena they don't want to go into, but they still want to be part of the day. And then I used to sit back and I had um, one of my parents who was always the, um, you know, the... Uh, I'm doing really well. I can't get my right. work. No, not this because we'd, we'd hire those people Assistant. in. Yeah, crits, no. Um, you they know, were on the door. Tally. They had to tally the thing up. Uh -huh. What's that called? The, 
result organizer. I've got comps brain. If anyone wants to know. I haven't had any brain cells since I gave birth or got pregnant. So I'm I'm doing online comps judging at the moment. And yeah, so I forget words. Sorry. But so another parent would sit next to me. And so it was fantastic. And then another parent would, you know, do the kiosk. And there was no um, really big responsibility except me paying for the venue or, you know. Paying for the trophies, really. Yeah. I love it. It's a really nice event. I, I enjoy our event, similar to that too. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Um, I love I love when the pressure's taken off at concert. <laughs> Those words don't normally go together, but mm. <laughs> take the pressure off because whose concert is it? It's not mine. It's not mine. It's theirs. So once I learnt to really relax and let go, I hired in a stage manager and then I would float around and, you know, feel the buzz of the kids as they're getting ready. I'd still go, come on, come on, we need to get up. But I got to hear conversations about, you know, them going, I love you, you know, things that you might miss out on otherwise. So um, love that. Um, Do you know what? A student's growth. That's one of my favourite things. And I don't care if, you know... They're never going to do a single turn, but their retiro went snap and they got it. Woo! So um, student growth. Yeah. That's another really cool thing. Definitely regional comps. But you see, that was a small, maybe that was like a third of the school. Yeah. yeah. It didn't get to involve everyone. Mm-hmm. Definitely love it though. Well, what, why was it a third of the school? Did you run like an audition process and you hand selected kids or was it just that a third of the school were interested in? those comp type opportunities? A third of the school was interested. So um, I've, I've trained really highly technical dancers as well as recreational kids. So um, I had no issue whoever wanted to be. Yeah. I always said, you know, the experience is, it's your experience. What do you want out of it? They wanted friendship. They wanted, you know, teamwork. They wanted, um, you know, new opportunities. They never said they needed first that they needed to do 16 hours of training a week or what, you know. So, so it, it, again, it was, it was what they wanted. Yeah. But, but in saying that as a studio owner, do not let people walk over you. But I think it's, oh, I'm an alpha female. Who's going to walk over me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's, yeah, people are going to try, but I've got the gift of the gab and I'll just sort of go, that's really lovely. I can see you want to contribute a lot. But I am going to let you know that it's it's going to come from that end of it or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but... Hmm. At the end of the day, it's your job as a studio owner to collect information and feedback from everybody and then you need to make the decision which is going to suit you, which is going to suit the majority of the students and benefit students yeah. and parents. And sometimes those decisions you make don't seem very well accepted, but we see a different version of the kids to what parents see. And sometimes we might think that something we're going to do is going to benefit them. And yeah. the parents might not realize until, you know, after the fact. Oh, our children have two different personalities. Wait till you see Eve's student personality. Wait till you see Well, it. I'll never see it unless I'm her teacher, actually. Which I don't think I will. But, you know, <laughs> whether it's primary school, high school, tertiary, dance, yeah. you know, wherever it is, when you play the role of 
I'm ready to accept learning, I'm going to receive it. They are so different. Mm. They really are. And so I think you should really trust the word of the teacher a lot. Yeah. I'm, you know, I do. Mind your little doggy there. I know. It's, this is my, I have three dogs. So here's, here's one of them. And he's just going to let me know that he needs a cuddle too. Come here, mate. Well, that's all right. We're all in ISO. We all need a bit of. I know. Hugging and loving, which we. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think you, over even the last 10 years, what have been the most challenging times or the most challenging aspects of the business? Um, oh, there's going to be a few. Let me have a think. I like teachers to have a little bit of independence. I don't want to have to hold their hand as often as some maybe in the past have thought they could have. What I mean by that is there's policies and there's rules. You're going to have to follow them. That's why we have a meeting and that's why we've explained it to you and that's why I'm supporting you and explaining again that it needs to be done that way. So say, for instance, I'm a time lord. I cannot stand if a class goes over time. Man, the studio owner has to bear the brunt of that parent going, Let's get, I'm going to get to Stucker and you running late and this and that. Mm -hmm. Or the last teacher that ends up with 35 minutes because they want to finish on time because they need to get home to kiss their kid goodbye or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're told, wear a watch, bring in a, you know, have a clock, pay attention to it. In saying that, there was about four really cool occasions where the teachers had come in and do that to me. <laughs> where you were over time. That is the worst when you are so strict like me and I have very high expectations of people and then all of a sudden I lose track of time and, yeah, end up getting in trouble. It was usually my musical theatre class because you're trying to put on a, a production. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think I was doing it. In, maybe when I taught adults. Maybe we'd go over time, but we were always last at the end of the night anyway, so that didn't so you, work. you just kind of found that it was challenging that you had to put out fires because of the teacher's yes. kind of carefree attitudes at times. Yeah, and it was never directed towards the student or anything. It was just if we have a certain rule, follow it. Yeah. Here's another one. Turn off the heaters and the air cons. Oh, she's really getting a bit... Fired up now, everybody. <laughs> this is a sensitive subject. Although this has happened to me, and I think it happened at the start of lockdown, and it is money. Electricity bills are huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I couldn't understand then how you can't hear the blazing buzz of an aircon in the front foyer as you're locking up. And the fact that then the aircon might drip some water on you when you're standing outside and locking it. How <laughs> How can you not know that? <laughs> I feel like it's easy to judge, but I know that I would have left my own studio and left lights on and left air cons on because once you're done and you're brain dead and you're hungry and you know you yeah. have to drive 40 minutes home, you're just like, get me in the car and get me home. <laughs> well, you know, when they had to pay a $50 cash penalty. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Why not? Well, where am I going to find the money for someone else's mistake? So I, I would get really hard on the business side. 
Where am I meant to find that money? Yeah. I, I didn't have um, your repetitive <laughs> bad um, remembering of policy. <laughs> you know? Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Not really. Ah. Well, um, <laughs> you, might, you might get the same action happening again and again and again and again by the same person and you really support uh -huh. them. Yeah, yeah. So then you say, okay, I'll just run through the rules again, but let's bring everyone in so I'm not targeting just you. Yep. So then you'll say, okay, guys, we need to do this. Or you send it in a text again. Or that night you remind them, I'm just giving you a reminder, and it still happens. Yeah. So then you've sort of got to then nut down and go, okay, well, let's find some quiet time to speak with that person. So then you might be speaking with that person as well. And then you think that you resolved it and you ask them, is there anything, you know, you want me to go over again? And you've gone over it and then there might be a lull period and then it starts up again. So it's little things like that where they just go, sorry. I think, yeah, that's just a stress of being a, a business owner and it happens with staff and yeah. it happens with students and parents and it can be something that's quite small in in their life and in their observations of the student. Yeah. It might be something that's very, very small and not important. But to us, it all does add up. And at the end of the day, it might mean a lot of time because we're putting out fires when people are complaining about these things or as you said, it might be money. And as a studio owner, that, that is really challenging because money can be tough and we don't have spare money to cover mishaps a lot of the time. Yeah. 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 You know, I have no problem with a child that wets themselves and then the floor gets stained and anything like that. You expect that kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, I suppose that was one thing that, you know, I would personally bring my emotion back into and think, Man! Yeah. And might even bring it home. Yeah. Or the fact that you're going in because, you know, one of your factory neighbours said, oh, your lights are on and it's now 11 at night and you've got to drive back because you are so concerned about how much that's going to cost. Yeah. Especially if you don't work on, say, you know, um, if you don't work on a Friday, you've got yeah, to go out perhaps of, you know, um, bills accruing that you do not want to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's true. And I'm assuming you didn't have huge issues with parents because you are quite assertive. <laughs> and I feel that if I was a parent of your school and maybe approached you to give you some feedback, you would listen. Yeah. Um, and you would be fairly respectful, but I feel like you would probably tell me how it is. Yeah, I would tell you how it is. And I think um, it, it will always come with some support. So it might come and say, I can hear how angry you are with me. Mm -hmm. So already I've validated how they're feeling. Doesn't mean that I'm going to accept it. But, you know, I think I can deliver a response mm -hmm. back in in quite a good way maybe it's just years of practice yeah um well certainly i'm sure in my past said it the wrong way but i'm also i'm not a oh, i don't want to use the word fear but i don't have a distaste to facing people and trying to um extinguish fires yeah. I, I'm okay with doing that. It's part of being a connector that, you know, you don't want them to go away kicking a wall and running out and saying, you know, Meh. about you. So 
yeah, there's only been a, there's only been a couple of parents, and and I think, well, I'm hoping for most of them. You know, there's there's a a healthier relationship in the future now that we have, even if they yeah. don't go. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense. I think that's important for young studio owners or studio owners who are starting out to hear and expect that you are going to have confrontations and you are going to have to put out fires because that's not something I was prepared for when I started my school. I just assumed if I'm doing a good job, then everyone's going to be happy. Um, And that's not the case. And also I'm human. So there was things that would, I would do that would upset people and there was no way I was prepared to kind of receive the type of, feedback from confident parents who are used to complaining. They're used to complaining at the shops. They're used to complaining at primary school. And here I was who've never had a confrontation in my life. And yeah, I wasn't prepared. So I think it's important to, obviously you build those skills, but to think about what you're going to do and how you're going to react because your emotions tell you to react a different way to what you probably Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And so um, I think, you know, not every studio owner has gone through a different journey of training, but I think one thing that seems to be missing in um, a few people's training is that effective communication. So it's certainly there in the cert four of dance teaching and management, if anyone wants to know, but there is an, (laughs) there is an effective communication unit. And if you don't have that kind of training, you know, there's free courses, but I think the more that you get personable and you learn that humans can react very differently, I Mm. think you're going to have a better chance. But in saying that some of you might never gain that skill. Don't, hurt yourself for it it means that you need someone else to do it for you yeah which is okay and that's okay as well yep yep all right now the part of the chat that i've been dreading um what i dread nothing well i've been dreading it because yeah i feel i don't know i feel like if i put myself in your shoes and you know I feel sad that we're going to be talking about closing your school because I know as a business it's easy to say you know I I ran a business I closed it I moved on and you'll be so happy you know in two weeks time six months time 12 months time whatever I know that you're going to fill your life with all these positive things yeah but as a studio owner and as a teacher, I know how connected you get to your community and your yeah. business yeah. and, and all yeah. those things. So it, it is sad to talk about it, but we're going to talk about closing the school. So yep. when... I'm ready for the vulnerability. Go. <laughs> Let's do it. I finished my wine, so I don't know if I should top up, but I'm not going oh, to go upstairs to do it. No, I can't. Um, <laughs> when did you decide that you were going to close the school? I know that we've talked about it and joked about it for years because I'm like, Tanya, sell your school to me. I'm moving Bayside. But legitimately, you know, obviously there's a day when you wake up and you're like, you know what? I need to close the school. Yeah. Um, I think there were two different occasions. One was when I contacted you because it was an emotional reason that I thought I should close it. 
-hmm. I felt that um, perhaps my personal life was ever so consuming that I might need to go down that pathway. So that's when you and I, you know, I went, she's been going meet, 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 meet. So then we started that sort of, you know, 12-month journey. Keep in mind, anyone who's listening, was I pregnant, about to give birth? I can't remember, but I was not Not in the top of mind to take over another dance school. Oh, no, you, actually, I think you were really, really early weeks and you told me to not say anything. Mm. And Tanya is one of the best people at keeping secrets because she's so busy and there's so many tabs open in her brain. She's not going to tell anyone because you can't remember. (laughs) Perfect. I'm glad that you didn't tell anyone. No, I didn't. And do you know what? And I won't say who the other person is, but there was another person similar to that time. So you might have to work out what age kids are. There was another studio owner that asked me at the same time, well, within weeks, can you keep a secret? Could you remove from my circle? I need to just go and tell someone. So again. Oh, there's so many studio owners with little <laughs> girls around the same age as Eve. It's like we all took the same party drug or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure who that was. But. No, no. Yeah. But um, no, that was really interesting. So, so there was the emotional one where I said, you know what, I might, I might be losing my marriage here or, um, you know, I'm not giving enough time to the kids. So that's what we kind of call the emotional reason that some people might leave yeah. or it might be that um, uh, this community member has really got to my core that I don't like what I'm doing anymore. So, yeah, that's how I'm just defining what an emotional reason could be. Then there was more recently the financial reason. Yeah. Now, the financial reason was the biggest, hardest, most vulnerably raw decision. And um, for anyone that doesn't know, I've got a daytime career. So I'm a high school teacher and we call it student services or student, you know, welfare officer. Um. And it took my bosses and my business mentor to really speak to me. And it wasn't that I wasn't listening. I could not let go. Yeah. If, if you picture someone's heart being pulled out and then being put on a table and 10 daggers going into it, mm-hmm. that's what letting go feels like, people. Yeah. And at the same time, you feel like that heart that's being wounded has a million hands holding all your parents or your students and you feel so responsible for them because what will happen? (gasps) What am I doing to these people if I stop or if I let go or if I, yeah. So it actually took about one term to be convinced to let go. So it was a lot of, I don't drink, but it was a lot of Friday afternoons of drink um, before COVID. Well, we had a short time where there wasn't COVID, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, a month. Term one in a short amount. Yeah. Yeah, so it it took a lot of sort of that side of people so far removed from the world to help you see how ridiculous it is that you are financially hemorrhaging. Yeah. And I don't know how many other studio owners are actually in that same position of hemorrhaging. So um, I'm newly separated and if anyone doesn't quite understand it just means you have no one to rely on financially 
Yeah. Oh, see, there's a little crackle in my voice, but I don't mind talking about it. Tanya cries. If anyone knows Tanya, she cries. So um, when you are put into that vulnerability that, oh, my God, I, I have nothing. I have, what do I do? And so you, you actually start to think about, well, I'll sell furniture. Yeah. We'll go and do a second and third job. But then, gee, you've still got to give time to when you have, you know, custody of the kids 50% of the time, make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, you're still there for them. So um, there was a lot of that really. Um, I'd never experienced that. It was 20 years of, 26 years, sorry, I don't know why I said 20, 26 years of, of partnership with one person yeah. um, to then go completely, completely solo and, um the school was going to be a casualty in that scenario anyway. Yeah. I don't know if it meant death, but it definitely meant casualty. Yeah. Um, but then COVID, yeah. COVID now gives you a new financial lack of structure because you don't actually know until the government tells you, oh, you can be supported by money or you can get this or you can't get that. Yeah. So I was in a position where I couldn't be as a sole trader financially supported because it was more important that in my daytime job, if I ever lost it, I was on JobKeeper there. Yeah. Now that means I don't see JobKeeper because I already earn the wage. Yeah. But thank God if we get a third wave, if we had a third wave, <laughs> but thank God if we get a third wave and even high school teachers are told again and there was five weeks where we were told no you're non-essential mm -hmm. you can use up sick pay if you've got any you can you know you can use annually if you've got any and if you don't yeah so that that was the other side the emotional side and that financial side and that was the big kicker yeah so i gave myself a date i said august the 29th that's it like yeah. august the 29th you have to have someone to either take it over, sell it, whatever, whatever it was going to be. And I think it's really important, people, that you give yourself a date. And I tell you what, if you can't commit to that date, you have a bloody strong best friend or a studio owner that makes you accountable because people, I'm going to cry, <laughs> but don't ever financially bury yourself ever yeah. no it's not worth it and thank god if you've got a partner that can support you but if it eats away into your mortgage you are insane yeah you, you are insane it's not worth it yeah it's it's not and everyone's getting their kleenexes out now but no 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 <laughs> no but i think that that is the that is how studio owners are feeling. And I've always said that. And I, I've established my school over what, 13 years, mm, nearly 14. Yeah. And there's no way I want to close it. But yeah. I always said from the start of COVID that if it puts my family at risk and yep. if it puts us out of a home, if it yep. oh. takes away, you know, <laughs> where we live or our opportunity. Yeah. yeah to be a family and have any type of security, then I have to bail on it because yep. everyone needs to look after their themselves and their family before yep. they look after their business. And I hope that doesn't sound selfish, but you know, I think it's, kids in my I think studio, it's timely, they have a yes. family to look after them. It's timely that you and I say that to people. 
Yeah. It really is. It really is because if you cannot provide, I don't want to put pressure on people, but if you can't provide for your own existence, what the hell are you doing? Because yeah. that was never part of your deal in the business. It was never part of the deal. And maybe that's an important thing as you're starting off, that you, that you list triggers that could take you downward so that you might be a bit calmer when you see them. I really needed my boss and my business mentor to go, are you paying attention? Yeah. You... You became a single mum at the start of COVID in March. So you have the most rockiest financial situation. You moved out of your own home. You sold a holiday house. You don't have a car. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have any of those things. Um, and wow, big bloody wake up call. We've got to pay attention. Now in that same breath, I want people to know do not be afraid of people that want to give you help. Yeah. It's going to come in finance. You know what? Sit in it. I'm sitting really comfortably in taking things from people and I'm going to call it as it is. It's taking things. So if it's taking a meal, if it's taking a hug and a psychological understanding of what's going on, take it. If it's a thousand dollars, take it. Do not have any shame in taking it if that's the path that you feel you need to go down to help support you through this. And I think um, one of the things that I was trying to do is I had definitely two, two other studios that were going to hire my studio whilst I was going to be there. But my, look, my students, they weren't interested in Zoom and online. I had 20 students left. Yeah. No one can run a business with 20 students. No. Um, no. So there's another reason it closed. But, yeah, so I had two other studios and I was happy. We were going to be like some hippie commune, <laughs> you know. Come in, come in, bring the family, you know. And I, another thing is a, as a person, as a business owner, you know that I'm up front, you know that I'm transparent and I'm really happy. I'm happy for those kind of connections to happen. And do you know what I think for term four and most of 2021, studio owners, if you are out there and you need help, Bloody well, ask other studios, does anyone need my space? Yeah. And move your timetable across. Do not be insane. Move it so that you only run three days so that economically supports you. And then they might want two or three days. They're paying you rent. Hello, bingo. Can you hear? Someone's going to pay you and you're going to give them that opportunity. It's a no-brainer business idea. So was that your plan for term three when we were allowed to reopen? Did you think... I might be able to cope. I've got yeah. people hiring yeah. the studio. I will survive. I'm keeping the studio. Was it the lockdown number two that really put the nail in the coffin, would you say? Um, was it June we were going to go back? The yeah, it was like, yeah, the end of June because the end of end term June. two, we were allowed back for those three weeks. Yeah, okay. Right, okay. So I... I didn't run the studio then, but um, the other studio owner was really um, interested. Mm -hmm. That studio owner had a baby. <laughs> what is it with me? Damn babies getting in the way. I know, another pet and a marriage. <laughs> so it was just another another similar scenario, Jess. Mm -hmm. That um, 
so the timing wasn't going to be right, but they were super, super, super keen. And I was really interested in sharing the space. They were a very different entity to me. And then I was so interested then in being a mother hen and, and protecting all the other little chicky studio owners out there that are in that revolting scenario of public spaces won't yeah. take indefinitely. You know, because they're in a neighbourhood house or they're in a high school or, or, yeah. So I just felt, and I just said, here's my eight hours. Who wants this? These days are free. Who wants that? Yeah. Honestly. And even if it's going to be eight to ten minutes out of your normal suburb, take it. Don't we want to see these kids back? Don't we want to have some security? And you're right. It's going to be really hard for those studio owners in halls to find a space this year if we can yep. reopen. Yep. So if um, I can go turn four, and then 20... yeah, people like me won't be running a full timetable. So yeah. there is going to yep. be space. Yep. Yep. So I think for all of those that we were hearing, um, I mean, I've been a bit busy, but on Facebook pages, they've been mentioning, oh my God, trying to do 2021 timetable. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those. <laughs> Yeah, but I was actually thinking, are you mad? Did you yes, actually not ask? No, not in that way. Because I, I would have already had next year's concert done by now. So. <laughs> <laughs> as I always do, I'm always a year ahead. But um, what I mean is that how can you be trying to create something that you don't exactly know? So just build up your hours with other people. No, I just, 2021 is different, everyone. Yeah. We don't, we don't have, we don't have what we've had before. It's so new. A new studio owner skill is just being having openness be open to change i can't see that we should be in this current climate um feeling threatened by other you know competitive studios near us mm. we've got to change i thought well i don't have that kind of thought but for those that do oh god change your mindset at the moment it's about space and it's about having children um well, you know, our dance industry, they're missing out. Why? We don't, well, none of us understand, do we, Jeff? We don't understand. No, it's all very confusing to a person like myself, I feel. Yeah. Very, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of mixed messages and it's really hard to navigate the, the theories or the, um, yeah. the facts behind all the decisions that are being made. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep thinking, like, it makes sense, it makes sense, it makes sense when you just look at Victoria, but then I see all these photos and videos on Instagram and Facebook of people living normal lives interstate and them not having these, you know, second waves, third waves, fourth waves. And it's like, well, now I'm confused because, you know, I feel so nervous to have a normal life or run a normal studio, but then there's lots of people doing it and there's no COVID-19 in their studio or in their home or... Yeah, it's yeah. very confusing. It, it is. So going back to the studio, how do you close a studio? What, what were the steps that you took to do that? Did you tell the staff and then the students? Did you call the landlord? Like, how do you actually go about it? I know that there's studio yeah. owners who will listen to this yeah. and who are thinking about maybe closing their studio due to COVID. Yeah. So what steps do they take? Family first. Mm. Always talk to your family first. 
Now, obviously, I didn't choose every family member because some of them aren't part of my life anymore, so I didn't need to necessarily tell some of those people. But I need I needed to tell my children. Yeah. I think that was really important that, that there's going to be changes and things are going to be different. I did very much ask them then to keep it quiet. Yeah. Uh, obviously, my receptionist was my confidant and I was extremely close with her and I just said, I need to just tell you stuff. You don't necessarily need to respond, but I need to get stuff out. So I did that. And then because my daytime work is so removed from the studio, I was able to tell. So they were pretty much the only people and, and you, because <laughs> you were the first one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's pretty much it that I had to begin that feeling with. Mm -hmm. um, I, as far as parents knowing, I don't think they necessarily need to know too soon. If you try and look away from COVID, let's take COVID out of it. The longer people have information and you drag them on the more they start to think of and overthink yeah. and um, presume that it could be this and could be that or create rumors and rumors are rubbish um so i only gave them three weeks yeah three weeks um i give them very little information about how it's an online studio it's run by a certain teacher who is still you know what you call on the books yeah. uh it, it's not my studio i'm just having a look at how we're putting a concert together because obviously i can't let the kids just drop and that's it so yeah. we're running free concert classes on zoom yeah but then the other teacher is running an invoiced um school okay yeah yeah so uh, we've kindly been uh, given, if we can go back, we've been given um, a space. Now, I couldn't go back to my own studio. You, I couldn't, even if I was going to rent. Yeah. couldn't do that. It okay. just emotionally, that's too much. So I think it's best that, you know, you, um, well, in my experience, it's best not to go back. You rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. Don't put a gammy band-aid back on again. That just hurts and it festers and, and yep. it's not healthy. It's not healthy. You already closed that door. Yep. So um So you've got a t one of your teachers is going to continue running an online school for the kids to get them through to the end of the year and get their concert. Well No, not concert. So exam syllabus. Oh, okay. Yep. So they'll keep doing syllabus. So um and that's important because a lot of them have had a goal since March, yeah. you know, doing this. So, so there's that sign of it. Landlord only needed a month's notice. Why do they need to know your business? Yeah. I know, especially if they're not going to be a supportive landlord. They, you don't. Check your rights. But if you only need to give notice for a certain period of time, keep your, keep your hand, your deck close to your heart then for that yeah. reason um because rumors they fly around really quickly mm -hmm. um your accountants let your accountant know quite early probably after your family and your receptionist let them know early 
because you've got to look at, um, you know, if you're, depending on if you're a company or a sole trade or whatever you are, things are going to change and it's going to affect you and you've got to be smart about your money. No, I did not have a sale because who in Victoria would buy a business? Mm. No one. So um, it was handed, polished on a platter. And I don't know if the other person's, um, you know, mentioned it publicly, so I've never, I don't use their name. As in, so, you mean your student base, or you mean this, like the no, student building? No, the teacher has the students. My teacher has the students. Yeah. They have a set out, a professional studio set up. Okay, so you've and basically finished the lease, but they're going to take on the lease as is with the the setup of the studio inside. Yep, they've got some pretty. That's a sweet deal. I'm not allowed to swear on here, but. There's the swear word. Beep. They're lucky. Very lucky. No permit approval. The permit is there ready to go. They've got the mirrors, the bars, the flooring. That, yep. Yep. That's a good, yep. good deal. And did you find them or did your real estate agent advertise and they were like, oh, a studio ready to go? No, because I didn't tell the real estate early. I um, kind of found this person, whoever. No, I, I use the... I use a studio owner page and everyone's got, you know, the ability to press private message. Yeah. So I had seven people. This is not all at once. That you were closing. Yeah. 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 So I thought it was actually smart again, um, you know, just be transparent in certain things to certain people, to people that you feel are going to benefit. Yeah. Seven months in advance. Not important that your landlord knows, not important that your parents know, but a potential person to take over, absolutely. Yeah. Because there was some, you know, there were months spent with some people and there was um, three days spent with some people. There were some people that wanted to look at, you know, um, financially how it was doing. Some people just wanted to ask really tough questions and do not lie, people. Don't lie. You already made the decision that you're going to let go of it, so don't lie. Mm. And you don't have to sell it because you made. I made my intention clear that it was a set a setup. Yeah. You are you're you're not getting the student base. Yeah. Because you know we live here in a world of COVID, so you can't own a student because the parent can just flip and go. Well, you also that was my thoughts about them taking over the studio space, like they may not be able to use it for quite some time. So that's yeah. not a risky investment, but they obviously need some finances to support them through that closure time. Yep. Yep. And I think um, with, when we're looking at um, the right person to take over your lease, they've probably got a day job. Yeah. Yeah. They've probably got another source of income. Um, Women, be fierce. You don't need a partner to obviously financially look after you. But I'm just saying, you know, that you've either got a, a day job or you might have a yeah, partner. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So then you might have, yeah, you can rest financially for a while. I'll help you there. Go take it over, do whatever. So, um, yeah, there's, there's that side to consider as well. So be open. Um, one of the wonderful things I've really, really enjoyed is I've talked to a few, obviously, face-to-face -face Victorians, but um, people from different states where they've just wanted to bounce the idea of selling their studio. Mm -hmm. 
And I've, I have thoroughly enjoyed being that person that they've connected with. So I felt like I had, although I was sitting on the other side, mm-hmm. I at least had the conversations. Yeah. So it did make it kind of easier for that reason. Um, post closing that door, there's, there's real anger people with grief and trauma and it is a trauma to close it. Yeah. So be- because I deal in, well, obviously I'm not a psychologist by any means, but because I deal in mental health and um, processing every day in my daytime career, um, it's really important to identify there's the tears, you go silent, you get angry. So I'm at anger at the moment. Yeah. That's where I'm sitting. And again, I'm glad I back. caught you at the right time. <laughs> I don't want to catch you when you're angry. Did you see before? <laughs> no, no, no. But um, no, I'm angry that, you know, if, and I'm not going to swear, but everyone's seen my little catchphrase, FU COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it, it just helps me. This year is what it is. So that's why I just say it. You know, that doesn't mean that I'm going to ram into anyone or take my own life or do anything stupid. It's just I need to say it. It justifies where I'm sitting at the moment. So, um, and what's I am, next? What's next? Sorry to cut you off there. I was just going to say, I know you're such a go-getter and you always have like a million things yeah. that you want to achieve. What's, yeah. What are your plans now? What's your plan for you? What's your plan for you in the studio? Are you planning to stay connected to those families and students that are moving on with that teacher or are you just going to let them do their own thing? And um, Before I spoke about give them wings and give them independence, I think it would be ridiculous of me to be <laughs> in there yeah. as much. Now, you know, I would talk with the teacher and see what kind of role they would want me to be. And at the moment, I think the role is probably the silent, non-financially responsible partner. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to play because, you know, not saying that they have or they haven't had a business before, but I know that business better than anyone. Yeah. So maybe it's good that I can impart some advice or, you know, just mentor. So. For sure mentoring but then i want to mentor as many studios as i can oh my god i have a thirst for that and that's that's not so that someone will weep on my shoulder but um i wanted to a couple of years ago actually head around australia um you know just on weekends or something like that and if people were happy to billet me out in their house and give me a friend meal and i sleep on their couch um, and I'm not at work because it's either school holidays or I don't have the kids that weekend, whatever. Go in and just assess. Just just sit, feel, observe, digest what's going on in everyone's different dance studio cultures. And then just see either what direction it could go in. So it's kind of like in a consulting way. Yeah. Now, eventually, being a single mum, I'd want to be paid. Yeah. Because I have to, I have a new brain now, but if it if it means a free flight and I'm being fed and I'm sleeping on someone's couch, that is payment in itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, for now, head me down to Williamstown's not reasonable, you know, but Barwon Heads or whatever. Yeah. Head me head me down to Kelly's. Hello, Kelly. <laughs> I love Kelly. Sorry, Kelly in Ocean Grove. Yeah, yeah, down there. Or send me to Sharon's. Let me go up Bendigo. Bendigo, yeah. <laughs> whatever but um 
Latrobe Valley, whatever. Um, there is a Robin School of Dance in Warrnambool. It's not mine. I have adjudicated kids from there, actually. Yeah, I know. And it was funny when I was adjudicating and they kept saying, you're adjudicated Tanya Robbins. And then I'd say, and the winner Robins, is Robbins. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's rigged. It's rigged. No. But um, just heading in and, and getting in there and, and helping studio owners, I'd love to do. I'd love to do. Probably even more than... I don't necessarily want to teach, but I'd I would emergency teach. I would yep. emergency teach for people, um, but it's going to be strictly on the days I don't have children. Yeah, it, it's a no-brainer. I'm not giving up my kid time. No, that's no. fair enough. I only see them fifty percent of the time, so I'm still raw and very possessive of the time I have with my children. Yeah, yeah, and I like that's it. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's me for now. So, um. And I'll adjudicate more post-studio. Yep. Post Again, it will be on days and weeks that I can do it. Yeah. And oh, open the bloody borders. Come I was going to say, yeah, you're a little bit limited with your dream job while we're in Victoria. <laughs> I know. Open the borders, but yeah. No, that sounds really good. We yeah. should probably wrap it up because we've been talking yeah. for a long time. But is there anything else that you wanted to share or speak about? Um, yeah okay i just got to think of some words to put it into it's kind of the flavor that's going on with some of our facebook pages at the moment but um be kind to people in power but they don't have an easy job mm -hmm. and that could mean be a dance studio or it could be you know a, a membership leader it could be a political party leader whatever but it's not really serving a purpose for you to expel so much anger. It's, it's not going to change the current climate that we're in. So perhaps that could be my end note. And, you know, I don't want to say peace, love and mung beans, but because um, <laughs> that's what I am, but just be considerate. Other people have positions of power that need to make uncomfortable decisions and you are wasting hot air by trying to convince us all that you're the be all and end all how does that sound they're your final words tan i'm not gonna i'm gonna take them away from you not criticize you just just, just we're all hurting everyone we're all hurting but so. i think i yeah i think i i'm picking up what you're putting down and I agree. And I've had this conversation with a few people today. I feel like mm -hmm. perhaps we're at a time where, you know, everyone's lashed out and you've said and done what you want to do. Um, but you're right. Some people are, I guess if you look at it in a dance studio um, way, it's like, you know, we expect parents and students to treat us a certain way. And we often have to make decisions that are not well liked or well explained and we just hope that people trust us and believe in us and yeah. i guess to a certain extent we need to do that with others yeah yeah oh look who had the final say ha huh. jess, <laughs> jess it's, your, it's your show baby <laughs> and you know what you say it more directly everyone knows tanya meanders <laughs>
and everyone knows Jess says it how it is and needs a filter. Well, thank you so much for having a chat and sharing your story. I think that a lot of people will be really keen to hear what you have to say and might even reach out to you. How, Please. how should oh they reach out to you if they do want to speak a bit more about, um, you know, selling up a studio or moving on or even just, you know, speaking yeah. about their ideas? Um, obviously messenger is the first way to get me, um, for anyone that has in the past. And as I said, it's been kind of the last three years that people have asked me about selling studios and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I always say, um, over a cup of tea. <laughs> so it would be nice to do this over a cuppa with people as well. When that opportunity arises, um, yeah, but please, please contact. I, you know, even if I have to answer it a little bit later, please do. Yeah. I don't want anyone sitting and festering. It's wrong to do that. Don't fester. Get it out there and just say, look, can I, I know you know my name, but can I be anonymous in this conversation? Can we, you know, chat about a few things, even if it goes nowhere? Yeah. People, do it. Because it's okay if you don't go with that idea. It's fine. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think getting an external point of view would be really valuable to many because, you know, you spend all your time talking to your friends, your family and those close to you, but sometimes it's nice to just get a fresh opinion. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And sure. I think, you know, the five or six people that have already done it, they've been doing it, as I said, over the last few years, but yeah, well done to them. It's mm. the first step, whether you go forward, sideways, backwards, who cares? you went out there and you took a risk and you trusted listening to me in my opinion, or me just listening to you and letting you vent. Go for it. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. The connector.